everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is uh, Fig and Lock Coast to Coast. I'm Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Lock. Wow, there is a delay today. I can. <laughs> this will be an interesting conversation. Uh, there's a little bit of a delay there. That's all right. Uh, we're going to press. Um, so we're coming back after a two-week hiatus. Um, I was on travel last week uh, on vacation uh, to the lovely land of Japan, the land of the rising sun. Um, but before we get into that, Mr. Locke, how you been? Um, I've been good. Uh, I had a family member that just came back from Japan. Japan's a very beautiful country. It's it's just like a. It looks like was it? It's it looks like South Korea East. <laughs> um, I, I uh, so I've never been to South Korea, so I can't speak on that. But I will say Japan was pretty amazing. Um, you know, we were there four full days. Um, and we made the most of each day as, as we could. Uh, we started the first day with um, Tokyo Disney, which it's interesting. Like, I thought my concern going out there was that, you know, everything was going to be in Japanese and it was going to be very difficult to get around. And, you know, there was going to be very little. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, it's their country, right? Um, uh, only an Amer arrogant American would go over there and expect there to be English everywhere. But um, I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that um that there was enough english to help me get around and then when i got to disney um the staff members knew enough english to help us get around and even the rides themselves like i thought for sure like in the videos i had watched on tokyo disney um i all of them that were kind of voiced over in japanese so i was like oh that's gonna be interesting for alex but like we went on small world and the entire song was in english um, I mean, it was actually, I mean, actually what's, I mean, small world is about different cultures. So they actually translate the song in different, as you enter each like, uh, area, they translate the song in that language based on where you're at. Um, and then, you know, on the, on the haunted, on the haunted mansion, even that was the songs and everything were in English. And there was some, there was some Japanese voiceover, but. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it, it is a carbon copy of Disneyland in Anaheim, California. So if you've ever been to Disneyland, Anaheim, California, you're going to know how you'll know exactly how to get around in Tokyo Disney because it's the exact same thing. Um, and then the second day we well, went. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's exactly the same. So, I mean, uh, like complete with Space Mountain and, you know, Futureland and Frontierland and all those things like, you, you know, you got the. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, what's the one? Um, the big. It's like the log flume version. The big splash mountain. They got the splash mountain and all all those all those Di very well known Disney rides from the basic Disneyland. And so, um, and then they actually had one edition. I don't know if Disneyland California or Disney World has this, but they had a a uh, a ride that was new, brand new. It was like um, Beauty and the Beast. It had complete with an entire castle, and but we didn't do that one just because the wait on it was going to be like two hours, and that was the only line that had a wait that long. Everything else was averaging about thirty minutes, and um, it must have been like a like a like a high school day or a college day because all these young like high school college age like kids were there in their school uniforms, you know, making their way around the park. So. Um, cause I, so I was surprised by that, but even still the lines weren't, weren't outrageous, but yeah. So Disney, Tokyo Disney, uh, a must do if you're ever, ever over there and it's cheap, hella cheap. 
uh, it cost me 80 bucks for me and Alex, which is cheaper than Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. Um, so I didn't feel like I had to be there Seriously? all day. Yeah, no kidding. Like, if I had to pay regular Disney prices, like you better believe I would have been there all day until that place shut down with you know to watch the fireworks and the whole nine yards. But since I only had to pay like 80 bucks, I didn't feel bad leaving at three to get the train to catch the trains before the rush hour. Um, and also, since that's, Alex is not that's a huge wild, so you're yeah. like the Disney World Japan is like the like the American experience, American like Disney World experience. Is nothing like um, oh I guess did I know they'd probably have Japanese food over there like um, they do they have they do have like America is one way but then over Japan the McDonald's have their unique things yeah they got so what's funny you so you mentioned like uh, the food right so the first meal we had there when we got in that on Sunday or Monday night because they're a day forward. Um, was a was ramen at this little at this mall near where we were staying, and the, and the ramen was delicious. It was probably some of the best ramen I ever had. Noodles were fresh. The broth was like this aged soy sauce broth, so it was like amazing. Um, but it's just amazing with, at the efficiency with which the restaurants operate over there. Like um, they've got kind of got it down to a science. Like we went the second night, we went to this like um, one of those conveyor belt sushi places. And like you have, they give you like a tablet at your table, and you just pick out what you want. And then, as it makes its way to your table, it gives you a warning that it's coming, and you take it off, and like you eat it, and then they charge you by the plate. So um, that was really neat. Um, I will, I am ashamed to admit that two out of like the six or seven meals I had there uh, was McDonald's, and that was mostly out of convenience. Like the first day when we were making our way to uh, Disney, like we had to get on the train, start hit the trains early, and nothing was open at six except for McDonald's. Uh, and then there was one day on the third day or the second day when we were making our way around Tokyo, and we were actually going to get ready to go home or go, go back to the hotel, but then Alex was like, "Well, I got to go, I got to go to the pee pee." So <laughs> the only, the only. <laughs> place nearby with a restroom was um <laughs> alex is here with me now um the only place nearby with a restroom was mcdonald's so we get in there and immediately he's like i want a hamburger so i was like all right well i guess we're gonna eat here so uh what surprised me though was i didn't feel guilty eating it because like all the all the portion sizes are like normal portions like i, I got a medium combo and like the drink was like would have been the equivalent of like a small here, and the fries were like just a hair bigger than the small here in the United States. So like I didn't feel guilty eating the meal because it was like a normal portion. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, um, as far as American food in in in, um, in Japan goes. And of course they got Starbucks. They have just as many Starbucks I think as we do. Um, one thing I did eat that I thought was really interesting that I have not seen here yet is they have a thing called a souffle pancake, which is really just like whipped, it's like whipped egg, um, and milk and cream and then a couple other items and it puffs up really like really thick and fluffy like a pillow. But the texture is really strange. In fact, it, like it made our son, my son gag and he ate it cause he was like, he was like, daddy, it feels funny in my mouth cause it's, it is, it's like a, it's, it's not. It doesn't taste like undercooked pancake, but it's just this really weird, kind of creamy, kind of custardy 
uh, texture in your mouth when you eat it. Um, so that was really interesting. I never had that. And I, I've been trying to try it. And I waited an hour for hmm. it. We went to this place called Flippers to get it. It was an hour wait. It was very good, but I can't say I'd wait an hour again to eat it, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so the yeah first day was Disney. Second day was uh, we just did to- – we tooled around Tokyo. We went to the Meiji Temple, which is awesome. We went to uh, the Nintendo store. Um, we went to a play thing called Art Aquarium, which is really neat. It was, like, all these really beautiful goldfish – of different shapes and colors, and they were in these really ornate and uh, fish tanks. Really well, like really beautifully decorated, LED lights, all kind, like just really beautiful settings for these goldfish. And it, like the whole place is dark, except for these tanks, which are lit up by LEDs. Uh, and it made for just a really cool experience. Alex loved it. It was hard for me to enjoy it, actually, because he was running everywhere. And you're not supposed to touch anything. And these tanks are exposed. Like, you could literally stick your hand in and grab a goldfish. So there was a lot of, like, you know, telling my, my toddler not to touch and not to do this and not to do that. But even still, very cool experience. Um, and then we followed, we ended the day with a trip to what's called Shibuya Sky. So, you know, so much, I know a lot of people, in, when they think of Japan, they see that, they think of that big crosswalk that like as soon as it turns green like everybody crosses and it's like ants marching it's organized chaos right so above that square is a right. big tower called shibuya scramble and at, i forget how many floors it is but you go to the very top and it's got a 360 degree view of the city and it um it's absolutely beautiful so i scheduled it right for sunset so that we can see the skyline light up. And it, at first we were going to skip it because we were pretty tired after all the walking and everything else we did. But I'm glad we didn't skip it because it was probably the best part of the day. Uh, when you get in the elevator going up, they have this LED display on the ceiling that makes it look like you're going through a black hole as you traverse to the top. And then when you get up there, they have like this fake grass, like helo pad where the kids can run around and play. In fact, Alex made a friend, another kid from Hawaii, actually. Uh, they were from the Big Island. Um, it was, but it was just amazing. It's an amazing view. And then down, like, one floor in what they call the gallery, they have a bar. So you can, like, get drinks and hang out and just enjoy the view. And it was, it was cool. Um, and then the last day, we spent in what's called the Kamakura region, which is known for, like, all these old Buddhist temples from, like, the 13th century. Uh, and then... And then the most famous of which is Hasadera, which is like on the built on the side of this mountain. So you, it's actually kind of a little bit of a hike. And then the other most famous one is uh, the Buddha temple at Koto, Koto, Kotoko Jin, which is the big famous bronze Buddha that you see in pictures sometimes in the middle of the square where he's meditating. And you actually can go inside of it. Uh, so that was really cool. So Jap- Japan was just amazing. The people were there so polite. Uh, Marcy was there for work, so I was there with our son just traveling on vacation. And when people see you as a single dad carrying around a toddler, they're very polite and courteous. They offer you their seat. They help you get from point A to point B. They make sure you get everything you need. It was amazing. It was an amazing trip. And Alex was a super, was a trooper too, like probably one of the best travel buddies ever for his age. So. Yeah, Japan was awesome. I can't. I got nothing but good things to say about Japan. That's awesome. 
That's awesome, man. I, I uh, at the World Cup, they made a point. They were showing out that the Japanese team, if they played, like the fans would show up in the stands and they would clean the stands, and then they would clean the stands with like they had trash bags and they would like clean their clean their seats and then like they would cheer for their team and then when they're done they would collect their trash and leave. Like that's so I'm not surprised that you saying they were very courteous because they were very courteous at the World Cup. You know that they're bitching it on ESPN how Jap how the Japanese fans are, you know, representing their country and in the world stage just being fans. Yeah, it's really something. That actually, riding on the trains too, they they actually encourage you not to talk and make sure you keep your cell phone on silent because it's about being courteous to other other passengers and making sure that you're not like, you know, that you're respecting their space. Um, which I thought was really amazing because having ridden in metros in D.C., man, people have full-blown conversations, you know, loud as loud can be. Everyone can hear it. Um, nobody, like, you know, their kids run around and everything else where the kids there are very disciplined. Like, they sit in their – like, and what's – it's so safe, too, like, that the kids, they use the metro to get to school and their parents aren't even with them. And then what I also thought was really interesting, because these trains get so crowded, I guess they had a real they had an issue with like groping some of the girls. So they actually have now set aside trains on the forward end of the of the rail that are exclusive to women, so they don't have to worry about being groped when the trains are crowded. So extremely courteous and polite country and respectful of other people's privacy and, and it was it was a neat experience. Um, obviously, you know there was a lot of pointing at pictures to figure out what I wanted, you know, to convey what I want to eat. And Google Translator became my best friend. Google Maps was awesome and telling me when the trains were running and at what times and where they were going. So you know, uh, despite the language gap, we were totally able to get around with no problem. There was one stressful day toward the end there, but the rest of it was was a breeze that's so, good that's awesome um, man I yeah, so, that you're uh, you're back yeah man thanks i appreciate it you know i'm glad to be back glad it was a safe trip um and an, definitely an experience worthwhile i'd love to get back there one more time there's so much to see we only you know i think we scratched the surface as far as japan goes but uh i'm glad we got a chance to go it was a once in a lifetime experience i think but uh but i will say while i was away um last of us the season finale popped on Sunday, on last Sunday, uh, it was really hard to stay away from spoilers. Although I played the game, so I know how it ends. But I thought we would take a moment to talk about our final impressions of The Last of Us and where we think the series is going to go. What do you think? I feel that um, it, it's a great series. You know, it, it's I think it's the right amount of episodes. I was thinking, like, should they have one more or like that? Should they maybe stretch it out? But I think it fits right as a um, showrunner wanted it to be very true to the video game and they the scenes all the pivotal scenes in the video game are in the series itself and even watching it um you know i'm watching it with my wife and yeah she made a point we're saying like sometimes there's no action and so there's like very little action there but she's like when there is action when something does happen it's like really really good you know what i mean so it kind of makes you earn it so how the series ended and whatnot um you know it's definitely lead to season two and it makes it uh makes it very interesting uh for me to wonder if hbo is gonna flex their 
um, I don't know. I don't know the proverbial word to use this, but they're going to lay their thumb on this to make sure that it doesn't it get beyond just one season. Because the video game, see, the episode, um, video game, Last of Us 2, video game received very poor. It's a great looking game, and it's a, it game play looks good as well. But the story, people don't like the story because lots of main characters, things happen to them. And how like how it was put together, a lot of people just didn't like it. People, fan favorites of stuff, they just felt really negative to it. And the showrunner's like, I'm not going to change anything. And that's cool that you're not going to change anything, but it's not guaranteed that you're going to be part of season two. You know, because, <laughs> you know, HBO can change it. That's what they did with Lord of the Rings. Oh, not Lord of the Rings, but, um, dog. The, not Lord of the Rings. I just, I keep trying to say Lord of the Rings. But it's not Lord of the Rings. It's the uh, talking about House of Dragons or Game of Thrones. Um, You know they changed Game of Thrones. There you go. On Game of Thrones, it wasn't true one to one to the book. The books, you know, they changed a little bit here and there. And I'm saying that you would keep it. I'm I'm pretty sure the HBO say, hey, we're going to change a little bit as well. So that's my opinion on it. I think it's a strong. The series itself is um, the series itself is a strong. 8 out of 10 after the first season watching it. It's 8 out of 10. Is it perfect? Was I gripping? Like, I need to see next episode. Eh, I wasn't really feeling like that, but definitely um, when it was queued up on HBO Max, I watched it. You know, I watched it and I enjoyed it. Too. You know what I mean? Some of the parts were slow or very slow. When they had action, it was really good. The action parts were really good. I liked it. I think Ellie was a bit annoying, but I guess that's what teenagers are. So, that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree with the eight, maybe a little higher. Um, I thought like it, the performances were masterful. The the videography and the way they filmed it was absolutely amazing. Um, I like that they didn't – it wasn't a carbon copy of the video game. I mean, yes, there are scenes that are straight out of the game that you cannot, you cannot not have. But I like that they expanded the story and filled in some gaps. You got to see some things that you otherwise don't see in the game. I thought it was cool how the opening of the last episode was Ellie's birth, for example, and and see, and finding out that Ellie's mom and um, what's her name, uh, Marlene, grew up together and that they were close friends. And even despite that, she still ends up putting her in an orphanage and being raised by Fedra, which I thought was very interesting. But uh, so I, I like that aspect. I like that they, they de- the way they deviated wasn't necessarily a deviation. It was just, hey, we're going to build this world out a little bit. We're going to build this story out a little bit as opposed to just stick to the cutscenes, which I thought was very good. Uh, we've talked about some of the changes I absolutely loved. I love that when we meet, um, I can't remember his name now, but the, the black uh, guy and his, his brother, that they made, them, he, they made him deaf, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, going real quickly back to the uh, episode prior, uh, the episode I guess it would be episode seven. Going back to episode seven, seven yeah. when she was when they're in the wilderness and she gets you know yoked up by that that group, I thought it was very interesting that they made them um, a cell of li- religious zealots um, because in the in the game that's not necessarily teed out. It's a it's a cell of only men, at least from what we can tell, and. They're led by this one guy, and then he wants to bring in Ellie as. And same way here, he wants he wants her to be with him, 
um, more than just, you know, a part of the group, but obviously romantically. So it, I thought that was really well done. If I had one complaint, it would probably be, I wish they would have leaned a little more into the infected uh, because I, I feel like the, what makes that game so balanced is that you get, you, there's two threats that you're facing. There's the infected threat and there's the human threat or the, the, the human threat. And I feel like this show only focused on the human threat because especially in the last episode, of the, in, which is also very, which is obviously the last level of the game there is a point as you enter Salt Lake City where you have to get through this gauntlet of infected before you even before you get knocked out by the the fireflies and you end up at the hospital. And I think the reason why I think that's necessary is because I think it 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 cements for you as the player and I think it would have cemented for us as the viewer too going through that gauntlet of infected tells you why it's so important that Ellie is the cure. Because the fact you have to fight through this huge horde of infected people, just it's, it reminds you that there are, there are stakes here that uh, for why Ellie, it's so important that Ellie be brought to this hospital and it's so important for why she be sacrificed, for lack of a better term, for the greater good because this pandemic isn't going away. It's and uh, it's finding ways to spread, and it continues to spread regardless of the fact that it's been 20 years since the initial outbreak. So, I think that part of the game is important. I think it would have been important here because it reminds us that Ellie's sacrifice is necessary. So when Joel makes the decision to selfishly keep her alive and to keep her with him, it resonates more with the gamer and with the viewer because. You're instantly reminded of the infected threat. And so I wish they had leaned into that a little bit more. Um, And I think not just in this episode, but throughout the rest of the series, because we need to be reminded of the fact of why things are the way they are and why Ellie is so important. And I don't think that gets played up enough in the series. It's obvious in the game because you can't help but, you know, to have to deal with those things as part of the game. Um, as far as the second season goes, I uh, I don't know who these people are that don't like this game. I loved the second game. Uh, I thought it was really cool how you bounce between the two stories and how you see the direct impacts and ramifications of Joel's decision uh, and how those and, – um, and I think that will be very important in season two. I know in what I've read so far, there's talk about making season two into two seasons, which I can see that given that that game is – just very robust. Um, and I know that Naughty Dog recently re- uh, broke this week that they are de- creating a third game, and that third game will take inputs from the show. So, like, they're going to incorporate some of the some of this world-building that they've done on the series into the new game that's going to be, that's going to get released. So I think, you know, uh, the way I see it, this... This series has in it at least probably four more, potentially four more seasons. If you break season game two into two seasons, and maybe even game three into two seasons, you get you get four more seasons out of this uh, at a you know at a minimum, I think. Or maybe you only get three more seasons depending on how they play it. But it's uh, I'm excited to see how where where the where the where the show goes. 
Um, for those of us that have played the game, I won't spoil anything, but you know, I think it's safe to say that um, you know Ellie and Joel are going to have some things to work out based on the fact that he's lied to her. Uh, and it's a really big lie, and especially since Ellie was willing to die. We know Ellie is willing to die for the cause. So, um, and then, you know, Joel's actions are going to come back and haunt him in a really interesting and unique way. So I'm excited for the series and where it's going. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Um, that. All right. Speaking of shows that broke also this week, are you a Mandalorian guy by chance or no? I am not. Oh, all right. Never mind. I all am right. not. I, know you're I am not. not I, I am not. I, I just want. Go ahead. Yeah, I heard Picard though. The episodes have been kind of, kind of not. I heard the Picard um, episodes haven't been good. But um, who are you? The, who are you Mandalorian, hearing this I stuff from? I, I who, are just, you, who are you hearing? Uh, where are you reading this stuff? Look, everything I read online. is the exact online, opposite of what you say. Okay? What? <laughs> that's the that's the part of the echo chamber we live in, huh? But the the Mandalorian, I just want a new storyline. I'm tired of the same man, and that's why I'm like, I'm just on. When it comes to Star Wars, we talked about this before in a previous cast. I'm just hearing about the same universe and the same this, same that. I just don't want it. I want new away. I want to get away from that old and give me new and. And give me new. I'm, I'll I'll be full on board with Star Wars again. But right now, I'm just kind of y'all keep trying to rehash the old shit. I'm just kind of like, all right, man. It's, it's all the same world and the same vein in between the one through nine movies. Like, give me something brand new, and I'll be there. That's fair. But I'm still not sure where you're hearing the Picard series isn't good because every the, every ser- episode so far has been absolute gold on Picard, and the story is every week. It just they add a new thread to it that just makes the story so much more robust and this season is all about the de- Bacard's demons coming back to haunt him in really unique ways I mean I think what's great about the show so far maybe this reason why people don't like it is that you know we've always grown up with this version of Bacard where he's this golden hero you know the savior of the federation but like this season has really kind of just made him out like shown us that he is deeply deeply flawed and like his actions and aren't weren't aren't and weren't always appropriate and or as great as he was. Like there is this last episode, for example, uh, one of the characters from the Next Generation, Ensign Rolaren, came back and and it was interesting to see the dynamic between the two of them. And he was like embittered about how their relationship ended, and then she reminded him that he was not the great mentor that he made himself out to be. And just just hearing that and seeing that and then seeing his relationship with Beverly on there and showing that, like, again, like, he's just, he's deeply, he's actually a more deeply flawed character than what was presented in the very squeaky clean Next Generation show. And I think that's, it's been absolutely brilliant. So I don't know who these haters are because the show has been so, so good. Um, Other... Other news that popped last week, and I think uh, this actually is from a week before I went on travel, and that was uh, Jenny Ortega is going to be the daughter of Lydia Dietz in Beetlejuice 2, which I thought was really cool. Um, I know we've Beetlejuice 2 has kind of been in work for a while now. I know that Michael Keaton has signed up 
or had signed on to do it a while back. Um, so this is a really welcome and new casting addition and helps provide kind of a better lens as to the worth, the status of the development of this is. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I Jenny Ortega is like the new Hollywood hot girl. Uh, we're just, let, oh, we saw her as Wednesday Adams, so let's just throw her in this. Um, it's a very uh, it's interesting. Beetlejuice has been in what is it called? They it just not even hiatus, but just been on. It just been in writer's hell for years because I'm pretty sure Miles Keaton would have signed up for it decades ago, and it's just struggling to get a script. So I mean, they sound like they might have a script together that actually might fit this out. Um, yeah, I saw the rumors of it. I I want to see a legit trailer before I believe it. Because I, I don't want to be too excited. I, I feel like I feel like I'm going to be excited, and they're going to pull the rug on me, and I just don't want it. I want to be hurt. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it sounds cool. I mean, it'd be interesting that Beetlejuice is going to come back and try to be with Lydia Deed's daughter. That's pretty scumbag, man. That's scumbag of him, but I mean, that sounds like something Beetlejuice would be. And Amal Keaton, I know he would do a great job. Um, I wonder if they could um, even find a way to get... Um, you know, dig up the old family members as well. Maybe that'd be kind of cool to see him as grandparents. Um, the mom and Lisa, she's probably around somewhere. Um, you know, she's she was on, uh, she had a TV, very popular TV show. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure she'd be available somewhere. Um, even maybe Gina Davis could maybe reappear. It'd be, you know, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just want to see a trailer. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, um, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned bringing back the, some of the original cast, right? Obviously, Michael Keaton, who's actually aged very well, um, surprisingly. Uh, and then uh, folks like, you know, Alec Baldwin. Like, how do, do ghosts age? Because if you bring back Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, do, do you de-age them? Because I can't imagine that ghosts would age much um, in the afterlife, but I couldn't be wrong. Uh, so that would be interesting to see them them come back. Uh yeah, I'm trying. I was actually looking up the. Train I mean, they could. They could come up. What's that? They could do. They could do anything. They could say they do. You know, what I mean, and they could use the aging technology. They could have them dressed a certain way. There's always. There's always something. Yeah. Um, Catherine O'Hara is Delia Dietz. Uh I know it'd be great to see her come back. She was a lot of fun in the first film. Uh, Jeffrey Jones was Charles Dietz, the father, the naive and kind of the father with the blinders on. So that would be, that'd be a lot of fun, too, to see him come back, too. But uh, I would suspect, given the fact that, you know, if they're bringing Jenny Ortega on to be the daughter, I, I suspect the focus is going to be on her and any hijinks that she has. So maybe we're looking at more, a more younger cast, a newer and robust cast of folks that gets involved with this, with you know, with Beetlejuice. And, um, uh, and it's, you know, and her, it'll be up to her parents or maybe to kind of remind her of uh of the dangers involved in dealing with him which actually will be interesting to see who gets cast as her dad you know lydia's um husband because i'm you know know, will he be uh, who is it and is he aware of the history and what brings him back home like did she leave home and like it'll be it'll be a fun watch i think if it happens you know assuming that it happens it'll be uh fun to watch see all that plays out because i know for me it should be a fun watch yeah village has always been one of my favorites it's my favorite halloween film we talked about this so uh, any hope of a sequel um, excites me to no end. Um, I know we waited a long time for Ghostbusters 
Afterlife, and I know they just broke this week the the synopsis for the next Ghostbusters film. So that's that's pressing forward in development. So um, seeing stuff like this gives me hope for the future. But I know we need to keep it to a tight okay, thirty right. minutes. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I know we got to keep it to a tight thirty minutes. Um, but before we break, I just want to check in with you. What do you got going on, Mr. Locke? Anything funner you're, you're, that you're looking into this week? Uh, this week right here, not a whole lot. Um, I, you know, maybe I'm try maybe take the family see Shazam. I don't know. It, the reviews are kind of bad, and it, it it's like a but it's it's a really fun movie and kids like it, but it's not doing well. Um, I'm interested to see what. Uh, Tuesday going to happen because apparently Trump's going to turn himself in based off what he says. He's going to be indicted. We'll see how that goes. And, um, you know, he's calling for people to protest. So New York's going to be even more crowded than it normally is. Who knows what the what hell might happen now. But uh, it would be interesting to watch that as well. Yeah, I tell you, um, I was surprised when I heard that. I went and dug up some articles to see what was going on there. And it sounds like, I mean, what he says, it's all based on a leak uh, of information. I don't even think charges have dropped. I know that New York has been investigating investigating him for, I think, tax fraud or or tax evasion or something related to some of his finances and accounting. Um, So... I'd be curious if this actually comes true or if this is more of uh, him trying to just, uh, you know, shape a narrative and get people riled up. Um, Yeah. Um, Always excited to see what happens when those, when, uh, when those, when those guys are involved, but um, yeah, it should be an interesting week. So, all right, man, well, we won't keep you. I know you got places to be. Uh, That being said, uh, I am Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Locke. All right, everybody, have a nice week. We'll check in next week. Take it easy.